this morning to Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. We're five minutes to nine o'clock. That second service when they come, sometimes I go a little long with them in that second service. So you guys are the lucky ones to get here at 8.30. I got to be out by a certain time. So Lamentations chapter number 3. And I'm debating here on how long, I'm gonna, how deep I'm going to get into our series on God and as my God is. Today we're going to look at the faithfulness of God. And we looked at last week, and remember Isaiah told the children of Israel to behold their God, keep their eyes on Him. We're going to continue there today. Once we behold who God is, we'll behave. But if we only focus on our, on our moral, you think about this, our moral behaviors, Without looking to God, we're missing the whole point. And you got to understand this. I think someone said it best like this. We don't have a behavioral problem. We have an awe problem. We get our eyes off of God. we got to keep our focus on Him, and that's what this series is all about. We looked at last week how God is knowable. He wants us to know Him, and I praise God that He's given us His Word to be able to look at and to be able to know Him better. We've looked at the fact that we serve a holy God. We've looked at the, the fact that we serve an all-powerful God. As we go through this series, as we look today at the faithfulness of God, when we think about that word, we think of firmness, consistency, or trustworthiness, loyalty, and steadfastness. The opposite of faithfulness is ever-changing or Wishy-washy might be a good way of saying it. Someone who is faithful is steadfast in affection and allegiance. Here's a good term for you, a definition today. God's faithfulness means that everything he says and does is certain. My God is 100% reliable 100% of the time. He says what he means and means what he says. And therefore, he does everything he says that he will do. God's faithfulness is not a minor or a secondary part of his character. To say that God is faithful goes to the very core of who God is this morning. I think we look at it today and we think about the scriptures and the Bible talks to us about the faithfulness of God, Exodus 34, verse number 6. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. All those characteristics do not stop. They're consistent. He is faithful in his characteristics. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 7 and verse number 9, therefore, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God. The faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 9, the scriptures tell us, God is faithful by whom ye were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you've noticed every sermon I've talked about the attributes of God, I always give you at least one quote from A.W. Towser. And I don't think my sermon series would be complete without at least one per sermon. And here's today's faithfulness is that in God, which guarantees that he will never be or act inconsistent with himself. All of God's acts are consistent 
with all of his attributes. No attribute contradicts any other, but all harmonize and blend into each other in an abyss of the Godhead. God being who he is cannot cease to be what he is. He is at once faithful and immutable. So all his acts must be and must remain faithful. Paul drew in on this truth when he wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse number 24, my last verse, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. And what a blessing that verse has been in my life. God called me to pastor. Brian didn't think Brian could pastor. Brian didn't think Brian could get up and speak in front of people. I claim this verse. When I got from the chair to the pulpit after we sang this morning, I quote this verse in my head every single time I preach the Word of God. Because if He's called me to do something, He's faithful enough to help you do it. And praise God for that this morning. We get to Lamentations chapter number 3, and the book of Lamentations is a short, small book right in the middle of some major prophets. And as we look here today, we see that Lamentations is a collection of some sad songs, some mourning, some mournful laments that take place after Jerusalem's been destroyed. The human author is more than likely Jeremiah, and it's been called a poem or poem, a symphony of sorrow. The book of Lamentations, if you are here as we went through the Old Testament on Sunday nights, now on Wednesday nights, uses acrostics based on the Hebrew alphabet. So you got chapter number one and two and chapter number four, and those chapters, as you go through there, they go through each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, kind of like Psalm 119 does in different paragraphs. Well, if you notice, chapter number three of Lamentations is different than the rest of the book. There's triple the verses in chapter three from the rest. Now, it's interesting in Hebrew poetry and things that normally the climax of Hebrew poetry is right in the middle. And that's what you see right here in chapter number three of Lamentations. And But something that's interesting is you got the other chapters that go line by line and each one starts with a different letter in the Hebrew alphabet. You see each paragraph in chapter number three begins with each letter of the Hebrew alphabet and goes through. Lamentations is not the original title that was given to the book. The Greek translators after exile named it Lamentation. The actual name that the book of Lamentations began with is the word how. Like how in the world did this happen? Or it could be translated alas. That's what, where it began. You think about this. Jerusalem's been destroyed. Thousands have been killed. Thousands have been taken captive and taken to Babylon. The temple's destroyed. The walls are destroyed. The city's in great distress. Jerusalem, you think about this, Jeremiah's greatest fears that he preached were going to come are now filled with tears of the reality of what's taken place. If you think about it, in all honesty, as the scriptures tell us in this book, mine eye affects my heart. And Jeremiah was seeing firsthand the destruction that had taken place. We get to chapter number 3, we see that Jeremiah bears his heart. He doesn't hold anything back in this chapter. And that's we're going to see some great things here in a few minutes. 
But before we see some great things, we get to see where Jeremiah was at as he was writing these things. As we dive in, we see there's a list of laments that begin in the chapter here. In the first 20 verses, the weeping prophet uses language that's raw and real. He lets you really know how he's feeling. You know, sometimes as Christians, we like to just cover it up and hide how we truly feel. I'm fine when inside you're falling apart. And there are times where you gotta, where you gotta fake it till you make it, but there's up, you gotta deal with those emotions. And the only way you deal with them, and we're gonna look at it here in just Jeremiah started talking about them. We see a list of laments. We look at verse number two. He hath led me and brought me into darkness, but not into light. We see that Jeremiah is saying here, he's saying, hey, he was in the dark. Instead of seeing things fills the loneliness of darkness. He brought me into the dark, but there's no light here. So Jeremiah's like, I feel like I'm in the dark. He says next, he feels like God is against him. Look at verse number three. Surely against me is he turned. He turneth his hand against me all the day because of God's judgment. Jeremiah writes here, he basically feels that God is against him at this time. We see next that he feels tortured or tormented mentally and physically. Look at verse number four. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath broken my bones. Jeremiah's fallen apart. He says that he can't find release. Look at verse number five. He hath hedged me about that I cannot get out. He hath made my chains heavy. There's no way to get out of what's going on. There's no door to get out. It feels like encompassed about. I can't get out of this thing. He finds no release. Jeremiah feels like his prayers haven't been answered. Look at verse number 8. Also, when I cried and shout, he shutteth out my prayers. Jeremiah felt like the people were making fun of him in the state that he was at. Look at verse number 14. I was a derision to all my people. And their song all the day, hey, look at Jeremiah, what's wrong with him? And he said, my, basically he said his hope was gone. Look at verse number 18. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Wow. Look at the raw emotion that we see from Jeremiah here. He's in the dark and there's no light. He feels like God's against him and not for him at this time. He's being tormented mentally and physically. He can't find release. It's like he can't get out of what he's in. He feels like his prayers are not being heard. He feels like people are making fun of him in the midst of this. And he feels as if all hope is gone. And while Jeremiah experienced a lot of pain and agony, my guess is that some of this poem from Jeremiah this morning could relate to some of us in the room today. Perhaps you're experiencing 
many of the same things and secret wonders as Jeremiah. Is God really faithful? I feel like I've been going through this battle now for a long time, and I just feel like I can't get out of it. I feel like I'm going through, and I think there's, I feel like there's no light at the end of my tunnel. I've given up hope. I just don't know what to do. I just can't go any further. In the midst of where Jeremiah was and how he, you got to understand something. Listen to what he wrote next. Look at verse number 19. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and has humbled me. It's brought him down to his knees. Verse 21. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto all them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. We'll look at it in a few minutes. You see how Jeremiah says, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Jeremiah's talking to himself. So you ever talk to yourself? It's a biblical thing. We see it right here. How many of you answer yourself? To, no, don't answer that one. We'll leave that one out for now. As we went through those verses there, some of you probably started humming a little bit in your mind, great is thy faithfulness, the song. It comes from this passage of Scripture right here. And maybe, depending on time, we might sing it at the end this morning. My thought for you this morning is this. Focus on God's faithfulness and not your frustrations. Focus on God's faithfulness and not your frustrations. I want to give you a four-part message this morning. Four points will be done. Number one, as we go through... As we look at Jeremiah, look at the progression that led Jeremiah to where he got to. First of all, number one, list your lament. Well, it doesn't seem spiritual to list your lament. You know, sometimes we feel we're more spiritual when we just hide how we're truly feeling. There's nothing spiritual about that. Christianity is very good at trying to hide things. Pastors are very good trying to hide how they truly feel. And you got to understand something. Sometimes we look at it, and I was in a class this last week, and class doing some training that I'm going to be a part of. And um, one, uh, we do individualized counseling. The class part of it was this crisis counseling. It was really a big help to me. Even if I wasn't going to be, a, it was great. I think it was, I think that I should have done a class like that sooner. But this man, he's uh, he's a, he's the crisis pastor for Calvary Chapel Chino Hills. They're under Jack Hibbs. And he talked about how a close friend of his committed suicide. He's like, I'm the crisis pastor, and I've been called out all these times to all these different things. But this time it was close. Like, it tore me up. It messed me up. I had to take a step away, and I had to deal with these feelings that I had. And I think that that, I was, I talked, I'm like, that's just an excellent thing to hear because some, we think in, 
men of God, pastors think that they're like Superman. And that you don't, no, you got to understand something. You want to look at a Superman in the Bible? Jeremiah would have been a Superman, all he went through. But he went before God and he listed his, his sorrows. He listed what was going on in his life. Are you aware that one-third of the Psalms are songs of sadness? Not rejoicing. In fact, there are more Psalms of lament than any other category. We look at verse, look at verse number 19 here. It says, remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. Jeremiah is asking God to recall that his life is filled with frustration. That word affliction means trouble or misery. Misery means um, restless or homeless. It was used of straying. Wormwood is a harmful plant that symbolizes bitterness. Gall is a poison or a life-threatening substance. I experience gall every time I eat Mexican food or a pizza late at night, and that reflux kicks in. Just kidding. But in the world of don't worry, be happy, it's more honest to admit that there's many times in life that we're stressful and that we're sad. It's good for us to look before the Lord. And I, my guess this morning is that most of the time, we don't bring that to the Lord. That's why the Bible says to cast all our care upon Him, for He careth for you. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We should bring it to the Lord. As the song says, tell it to Jesus. I must tell Jesus. We need to tell him. We see that Jeremiah, he listed. And let me just say this morning, listing your laments, but dwelling on your laments, dwelling on your sorrow, leads to discouragement and leads to despair. And look at what Jeremiah says in verse number 20. My soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. We look at that there, and where that, where as it goes through the verse there, it says, hath them still. That's a continual thing. He's rehearsing his problems over and over again. And as he keeps dwelling and he thinks about these laments and the sorrows that are going on, it brings, it humbles him, it brings him down to his knees. And as we look at this, interesting, the Hebrew word for remember is, Twice in this verse. Right after, it's like, he remembered, remembered. I remembered, remembered them. And some of us are so good at focusing on the negative that we remember them twice. Translate like this, as often as my soul calls them to remembrance, it's bowed down in me. It's frustrating me. And let me say this morning, it is okay to be honest with God and express your real feelings. Because guess what? He already knows how you truly feel. He knows. Say, so I'm just going to keep it hidden from God. You can't hide nothing from God. Talk to him about it. Let him know how you feel. But let me just say this this morning. It's okay to be honest and to express it, but it is not okay to stay there. Because staying 
nightmares, what leads to discouragement and despair, depression and those things. My guess is that some of us this morning are kind of stuck there in the midst of our grievance and our lamenting. And Jeremiah had every reason to be singing the blues. And just, you think about this, and just give in and give up, but he didn't. After he lists his laments, he turns to the character of God. Church, that's why it's so important to have a proper view of who God is. Because you've got to turn, you've got to behold your God, as Isaiah said last week. You may think that you can't help what you're feeling, and I want you to understand something. There's a lot of things that people go through. A lot of struggle. After you list your laments to God, you've got to get your eyes off of that. Number two, you've got to consider God's character. Number one, he listed his laments, and number two, he considered God's character. What we see happen is that Jeremiah focused on the faithfulness of God and not his frustration. Remember I said this from the beginning of this series? Big God, small problems. Big problems, small God. It's a focus issue. Big worries, big laments, small God. Big God, smaller worries and laments. Are these big and real? Oh, yeah. But when you focus on these, it diminishes God. And we as Christians are supposed to be keeping our eyes on him. And we see this with Jeremiah. You look at verse number 21. Verse 21, what this does, we see that this, there's a change. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hoped. The call to mind has the idea of doing something again, of returning or bringing back. The Hebrew literally means, I make it to return to my mind. Jeremiah here, so get this with me this morning, is being intentional, forcing himself to focus. Don't miss that. He's intentionally doing this. You notice that Jeremiah isn't minimizing his trouble or delaying his suffering. But he's making a choice not to dwell on them, but choosing to remember something else instead. While his outward affliction and inward turmoil that he was going through pushed him to despair, Jeremiah forces himself to bring truth to the forefront of his mind. Like a computer that has default settings, and it will default to certain things, or a phone, whatever the case may be, each of us has a despair default inside of us. If we don't reconfigure our minds, we will slide down that slope of discouragement, and despair. In order to break that pattern and that cycle of despair, Jeremiah had to vigilantly think about something else. We see that in verse 21 here. 
Jeremiah already knew this about God. Jeremiah had been preaching about the Lord for a long time. The Lord had appeared to him and called him. He knew the attributes of God. But they were in the back of his mind. In the forefront of his mind was all the things that he said. And all my brothers and sisters in the Lord this morning, it's the same thing for us. You know that God's faithful. You do. You already knew that God's holy. You already knew that God's all-powerful. So why do we preach this uh, series of messages then? Because a lot of you said you need to be reminded of his attributes during this time. You said what the Bible says. Jeremiah needed to consider God's character. He already knew it. He knew that God was faithful. But with what was going on, that wasn't at the forefront of his mind. He saw his problems. And he had to, in verse 21 here, this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Say, so what did he recall to his mind? What do we do? We see, first of all, look at verse 22 and 23, is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Now, what did Jeremiah call to mind? What did he hone in on when he was hurting? That God's love will never is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. The word mercy there in Hebrew has the connotation in loving kindness. His love, you think about this this morning, and it has this idea of loyal love, a love that will not let go because it does not depend on emotion or an act of the will. We think of loving kindness, we think of mercy as we look right here. We need to be constantly reminded of God's steadfast love, don't we? Yes, we do. Psalm 89, verse 33, Nevertheless, my loving kindness suffer my faithfulness to fail. The word loving kindness, mercy, and lamentation, same word. We sing about God's love. And sometimes people tell me that they struggle, and sometimes we look in the Bible, or some, I hear people sometimes, I hate all those new songs that repeat phrases over and over again. I hear that often from people. But you want to do, and sometimes, you know, when I hear some of those songs, it's like 7-Eleven, you know, the 7-Eleven, seven times, 11 choruses, all that good stuff, and just repeating, repeating, repeating. But you've got to understand something. There is things, the Bible does the same thing. Psalm 136 is that in there? Take your Bible, Psalm 136. Hold your place in Lamentations. We'll be back there in a minute. Psalm 136. Verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of endureth 
forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doth great wonders, for his mercy endureth forever. We go through the rest of the chapter, I think you get the point. It says it over and over again. Repeated every verse. As the verse told us here in Lamentations, that we just read, his mercy endureth forever. His loving kindness lasts forever. And we see that as we look at this passage here, that God's love will never leave me is one of the things that Jeremiah had to constantly remind himself. And then next, that God's compassion will never run out. Say, why is it that the Lord's mercies are not consumed? Because his compassion, they never stop, they never comes from the Hebrew word womb, which shows the gentle feeling of concern and care that God has for us. The word literally means to be moved a heart out of love for another. So God's mercy will never stop. Why? Because his compassion for us never runs out. Thank God for that. Faileth. He's moved with mercy and compassion. When he thinks about us. Next, God gives me what I need each day. Look at the first part of verse number 23. They are new every morning. Oh, they don't, they just aren't yesterday's news. They're new for today. God gives me what I need to get through today. They are new every morning. That word new means fresh never seen before. God gives me as his child everything I need each day. With each new day comes a new wave of mercy and compassion, which means we should look for new mercies every morning. I think it's a good way to look at it this way. Every day may not be good. Something good in every day. God sends his mercies to meet our each day. Doesn't this tie to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34? Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. God gives us what we need today, and then tomorrow he'll give you what you need for tomorrow. Praise God. Think about the children of Israel as they were in the wilderness. He gave them manna for the day. They didn't need to collect it for the next day. Now, on the Sabbath, they had to do things a little differently. But they didn't collect on Monday all that they needed of the manna for the week. It would get moldy. and No, every morning it was there. Every morning they had what they needed. And Christian, God gives us everything we need every day to get through. And this is, And you think about this. And we summarize this as he focused, as Jeremiah focused, and we look at this, he focused on God's faithfulness. His frustration started to disappear just a little bit. Now, let me ask you this. Were frustrations still there? Did the city magically get rebuilt right then? No. But his focus changed. Number one this morning, that we got to list our laments. Number two, 
we need to consider God's character. Number three, pray God's attributes. The last part of verse number 23. Great is thy faithfulness. Early against me as he turned. My flesh and my skin hath he made old. He hath hedged me about. Jeremiah starts out by grumbling, complaining, and then he focuses his thoughts on God's character. Now he prays a prayer based on one of God's attributes. You notice this, he's not talking. He is rather talking directly to God. And he chooses to declare that God's faithfulness is great. The word great means numerous, mighty, and much. Observe also that you don't have to feel like it before you pray it. Remember, he's not saying here that God is faithful, though he is. He's praying to him. It becomes a lot more real talk when we talk to him. This is what Jeremiah was saying. Let me put it in our English today. Lord, I don't understand, and I don't like it, but great is your faithfulness. That's what Jeremiah was saying. Pray God's attributes back to him. And then number four, say God's truth to yourself. After Jeremiah prays himself, the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. We can personalize and say it this way. I say to myself, self, the Lord is all you need. So hope in him, self. That's what Jeremiah is doing right here. We look at this here, and many of us need to talk back to our feelings instead of letting our feelings run our lives. Far too many Christians let their feelings run what they do. We need to be like Jeremiah and be like, Self, Brian, I talk to myself that way. Brian, I don't, I don't think I've ever called myself Brian Matthew Pattison. That was my mom when I get in trouble as a kid. But I do say, Brian, and I talk to myself. I got to straighten myself up. I'm my biggest problem in life. Don't laugh, Martha. You're your own biggest problem, too. <laughs> we all are. Too many of us let our feelings drive the train. When the Bible tells us, to let the facts of God's word be the engine of our faith and not our feelings. The idea of portion is very interesting. The Lord is my portion. It refers to territory, treasure, possession, or share. It was used of spoils of war. What Jeremiah is saying is this. In the battles I'm going through, God is my reward and my treasure. He's the only one who can satisfy. Portion also refers to an allotment of land that was very important to the Israelites. It makes me think of how Aaron, the high priest, remember, was denied an inheritance in the book of Numbers. Instead of the land, 
What happened was he inherited the Lord. Do you have Numbers 18.20 back there, Ryan? No? I'll read it for you. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land. Neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. Jeremiah listed his lament to God. After he listed his laments, he considered the attributes of God. And as he considered the attributes of God, he prayed them back to God. And then he had to tell himself and say to himself, God's truth. What was Jeremiah saying at the end of it? Lord, you're all that I need. Can you say this morning that God is all that you need? We sang it this morning, complete in me, each need supplied. He takes care of it all. What will happen is if you can say that the Lord is all that you need, you can put all your hope in him because he's faithful. His mercies, they fail not. His compassion never ends. They're new every morning to get us through each and every day. He's faithful. C.S. Lewis said this, He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. The Lord is all that we need. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you feel like Jeremiah today and there's just a lot of struggles. Hey, take them to God. List your laments. Go to God. Tell him how you feel. And then I encourage you to consider the character of God. As you consider the character of God, let God know his character. Wow, God. Your mercies they fail not. Why? Because your compassion never ends. Every day, your loving kindness, your mercy, your compassions are there. God, great is your faithfulness. Self, the Lord is what I need. The Lord's my portion. The Lord is going to get me whole attitude changes. At church, it begins, you talk to God and tell him how you're feeling. Then you get your eyes upon him. Focus on who he is and what he's done. And then you tell self, Brian, or self for yourself, it's time to straighten up. Yeah, these problems are here. These problems are not going away any day soon. But he doesn't change. Whatever I'm going to face this afternoon, he's given me all I need to get through it. Tomorrow? Oh boy, what's going to happen tomorrow? Don't worry about tomorrow. Because they're his mercies and his compassion, they're new every morning. He's going to get me through it. I want you to pull up on the screen, Ryan, the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. We're going to just sing it with our voices, just the first verse and chorus, and we'll have a word of prayer this morning.
See if we can do it without the piano. I just want our voices to sing it to the Lord this morning as Jeremiah prayed it to the Lord. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy covenants, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see, all I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. Simon, you're not singing about his faithfulness. You're declaring to him his faithfulness. Let's do it again. Here we go. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning new mercies I see, all I have needed thy hand hath provided. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the truths that are found in the Word of God. We thank you for who you are. And Father, you know those who are struggling this morning in this room. You know those who need a special touch from you. Pray that you'd help them to bring their laments to you, to bring their sorrows, to bring their frustrations to you. And that they would consider your attributes. And after they leave their burdens and leave their cares with you, that they would get their eyes on you and declare who you are. And then remind self that you're going to get us through. Thank you for being a faithful God. Thank you for always being, being in control of everything. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. Pray that if there's someone here this morning that does not know you, Out and eyes are closed.